Hello everyone, welcome to Knox Bedtime Stories. I'm your friend Joey, here with another episode to help you relax, feel safe, and fall asleep. The 16th of October was my birthday, so if you would like to wish me a happy birthday, you can do so by leaving me a kind review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. It really helps boost the podcast so others can find it. If you take the time to do that, it means a lot to me. I would love to do this for a living, so not only am I helping you fall asleep and dream, you're helping a fellow human being's dreams come true, so thank you. Thanks to you, ladies and gentlemen, we've gotten over 6,000 downloads this month, and another 2,000 hours of listens on top of that, which is incredible in such a short period of time. That's all because of you, so thank you so much for your support and letting others know about the show. It means a lot to me. And you can contact me anytime you like at KnoxBedtimeStories.com. I will write you back. For those that have asked, there will be a Halloween episode next week, and I think you're really going to like the story. It's said that a popular 1980s and 90s television show was based on this story. Now, tonight's story is of the sci-fi genre, and it's called Sales Talk. And unlike the sci-fi episode, I did episode 7 called Filthy Rich, which got everything wrong. This one is pretty accurate and has a pretty amusing twist at the end. Let's get to tonight's good news story, and then we'll jump into tonight's bedtime story. It's not often you hear good news about the health and prosperity of bee colonies in the United States, or globally for that matter, but recent data collections released by the U.S. Department of Agriculture show that some states are experiencing growths in colony numbers of 70% or more. Not only was there a 14% increase in the number of honeybee colonies from the period of January 2019 to January 2020, but the states experiencing the broadest increase in colony growth, Michigan, Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Maine, added tens of thousands of colonies. Maine, the number one state for thriving bees, grew colony numbers by 73% since 2018, while Michigan also saw a 50% increase over the same period. Between January and June 2020, Texas saw its bee population grow by 38%. Between 2018 and 2019, it added almost 100,000 colonies, roughly totaling another 33% overall increase. Indeed, in the first half of 2020, the United States as a whole added roughly 420,000 more colonies to its bee population than were lost. It cannot be overstated just how important bees are to the environment, so this is certainly awesome news. Alright, let's get to tonight's story called Sales Talk, set to sleep-inducing music and this relaxing fireplace. If you're not already laying down, please do so now in whatever way is comfortable. And let's begin. To live different and exciting lives, all I had to do was sign here 
and give up my own life. Looking out the window, I saw them crossing the court toward the building, two of them. One, the taller with yellow hair, was carrying a flat, expensive briefcase, and the other, of course, was carrying the large square box that contained the sim. The buzzer sounded, announcing them at the door, and I opened it with mixed feelings. I wasn't sure myself how I would act, and, well, you hear so many stories about L, and this was really my first contact with them. They were standing out in front, looking just like a couple of door-to-door salesmen. And that's just what they were, even if they were called electromedical consultants. Just a fancy name for salesmen. They were very neat in appearance, just as good salesmen should be. Their hats looked new, and so did their shoes. Ah, Mr. Gaines, said the yellow-haired one sticking out his neatly manicured, but definitely masculine hand. I'm very happy to meet you, sir. His grin could only be described as sincerely boyish. Come in, I said, feeling like smiling back. So effectively pleasant were their grins. Come in and sit down, won't you? So they came in doffing their hats and sat down in two chairs that I ordinarily didn't use. They seemed to know instinctively which was my favorite chair. Oh, they were smooth. Now, Mr. Gaines said the light-haired man, perhaps I should start off with a little introduction all around, and a short explanation of what electronic living can mean to you. No one had mentioned L up to that point, Yet, they knew without a doubt that I had correctly identified them. Talk about confidence. It was like a physical force in the room. I'm Jake Long, and this is Arnie Blick, said the light-haired one, rising and gripping my hand with a warm, dry, just right handshake. Pleased to meet you, said Blick, gripping my hand in turn with an identical warm, dry, just right handshake. I'm going to ask you for a bit of your time, said Long, and I certainly hope you can grant us a few minutes without too much inconvenience. I murmured something about having plenty of time. That was a laugh, and he and I both knew it. I had so little to do. I almost welcomed them just for sheer entertainment value. Well, that's fine, said Long, but rest assured... We aren't going to try to waste any of your time. We intend to make it short and sweet as they say. He did such a good job of keeping up the fiction of me being a busy man that I almost believed it myself. You probably know more about electronic living than I do, he said. And I felt for an instant that I did. But we'll go over it anyway, just so you understand me a little bit better. You'll remember back in 1958-1959, there was a lot of work done, or should I say a beginning made, in developing an electronic eye for people who had lost their eyesight. This was a start of electronic living in its crudest form. These early pioneers, using what little knowledge was available of the brain then, 
were actually able to insert a probe into the brain and enable the blind person to see light. At first, it was just the difference between light and dark, but after a while, they did develop a kind of vision, and then, finally, after much work, the system grew into actual electronic vision. This was, as I said, the start of electronic living, because it advanced the basic premise that the brain can utilize outside electrical impulses for its own purposes. And of course, it wasn't long before some experimenters had rigged up a human television receiver. What they did was set up a series of brain probes which were directly connected to a small television receiving apparatus and the subject could then see the broadcast image without the use of his eyes. Since this rough beginning, we at L have done a lot of work and we are now able to reproduce every sort of physical sensation known to man through electronic brain connections. And recently, as further refinement, we have been able to capture internal brain voltages and use them to reproduce thought-like sensations. Unfortunately, these are still in the realm of strong emotions and not true thoughts, but they are extremely effective. Now, it is this combination of physical sensation voltages and internal brain voltages when fed into your brain from a simple tape like this that produces what we call electronic living. With that, he pulled a piece of tape out of his pocket as if producing an elephant from a thimble. Arnie Blick hadn't said a word up to this point. He had hung on every word his partner uttered as though it were all new to him. Now he took up the song. May I ask if you've ever experienced electric living, he asked. No, I said. I really had once or twice, but I figured it was none of his business. Ah, well, if you have no objection, I'd like to use this simulator here for a few minutes and give you a bare idea of what's going on in electronic living today. Sure, I said, go right ahead. Blick opened up the sim and fished out a hat that was shaped much like a medieval knight's helmet, except that it had a couple of big fat wires connected to it at the back. Just a moment while I tune it in, Blick said, lowering the helmet part way over his head. He closed his eyes and began fiddling with a series of small knots and buttons, which were mounted inside the case. Finally, he took it off his head and approached me, carrying this ridiculous helmet like it was a crown on a velvet pillow. You will be experiencing a basketball player, he said, and plopped it down over my head. When the helmet came down, there was a momentary blank period, and then suddenly, I was a basketball player who was playing a fast professional game. I was good or should say he was. He felt exultation because his team was ahead, and he'd put them there with a difficult shot. I could feel the pounding of his heart, 
and the strain of his chest as he gulped in huge quantities of air. His eyes ranged around the court, following his teammates and opponents. It was something alright, but not everything, because on top of the sensations and emotions of the basketball player, I was getting another series of feelings and emotions, which were my own. Superimposed on other players on the court was the image of my own living room with the two men watching me. Over the smell of sweat of basketball players came the odor of my apartment. Above the sensation of running, jumping, and colliding with other players was the sensation of sitting in my favorite chair with a weight on my head. In short, I was two people at one time. Even the emotions of the basketball player, joy at making a basket, a flare of rage at a rough opponent, and the surge of hope that a teammate would come through, were clouded over with my own emotions of not completely accepting as right the whole concept of L, coupled with the feeling that I didn't want to show any reaction in front of the L men. After a short time, Blick removed the sim, and the basketball player's life experience faded away. The two L men looked at me expectantly. Hmm, I said, forcing myself to appear neutral. They did not seem to be disappointed by my reaction or lack of it. Quite an experience, wasn't it, said Blick, putting the sim down on the floor. Of course, you realize that you don't get the full effect because you actually have two primary sets of electric images going into the brain. We never have been able to overcome the subject's own real physical and mental sensation with a device that works outside the skull. But I'm sure Mr. Gaines gets the idea, said Long. I'm sure I do, I said. The damn thing was plenty intriguing, but somehow despite all its good points, I wasn't really sold on it. Perhaps you'd be interested in the kind of things we have programmed for our L subscribers, said Long with a kindly smile. If you're someone who likes active sports, we can give you an evening of that kind of thing. We don't program sports in the daytime or early evening because it interferes with regular sports consumers, but it's nice to have later on in the evening if you'd like it. I nodded in what I hoped was a cold manner. Perhaps you'd like the milieu built up around a hard-working farmer or laborer for a daytime program. A certain amount of physical labor which is coupled with a strong emotion of accomplishment and pride. An excellent milieu and one of our most popular currently. Very interesting, I said non-committally, intrigued in spite of myself. Then, it was Blick's turn. If you're interested in the social type of thing, we have several new milieus that fit right in with this sort of thing. I can recall one of a formal dinner party which has strong emotional connections of well-being and a sense of grandeur. Yes, grandeur in the old meaning of the word. And in this same milieu, it is possible to get the bon vivant type of thing. 
You know, the raconteur, who is a real spellbinder, that has a strong emotion of ego fulfillment. Very interesting, I said again, but it doesn't quite fill the bill as far as I'm... Arnie, we've been overlooking the obvious, said Long. Mr. Gaines is looking more for the intellectual type of life experience. Now, I recall one of a sculptor which has a fine feel to it. Extremely intellectual, yet artistically creative, if you know what I mean. And then, there's an extremely thrilling milieu, dealing with a symphony conductor, in which there is an absolute physical thrill that is audio-inspired. Just the thing for anyone who is an audiophile, I'd say. I had to admit that it was beginning to sound more appealing all the time, and I found myself wondering just which life experience one would pick first if he were to go L. Of course, said Blick with a manly grin, we have the thing we call our playboy milieu, which is strictly a sensual sort of thing. It often appeals rather strongly to new subscribers, although I have to warn you that it soon becomes an experience which palls on you. He almost had me with that one, because after all, I have normal male curiosity and all that, and naturally, it's always these playboy milieus that you hear the most about among people who are non-L subscribers. Yes, for a minute or two there, I was teetering on the brink, but my better sense did ultimately win out, and I could feel the emotion of resistance welling up inside me. Well, actually, gentlemen, it isn't a case of not finding the right milieu, because I'm sure you have anything that I could ever want. It's more on philosophical grounds that I find that I hesitate to go along with electronic living, I said boldly. Just saying it gave me a tremendous lift. Ah, said Long, looking at the ceiling and making a tent of his fingers in front of his chest. I always enjoy talking with a man who has a philosophical bent. In fact, he said, unfolding the tent and leaning close to me, and lowering his voice a little. It's the one big pleasure I get out of this job. I'm afraid that I have to agree with you there, Jack, said Blick, digging his toe into the rug in a distinctly boyish manner. Why don't you sort of fill us in on your thinking, Mr. Gaines, urged Long. Well, I said, feeling warm under the collar and allowing my hand to tremble slightly with emotion, as I got into what I now realized was the meat of my resistance to L. Well, let's take it from the word go. If I sign up with you now, I'll go down to the Electronic Living Center tomorrow, or the next day, and they'll take me into an operating room, and put some tiny probes into my brain, and aside from a momentary twinge or two, I won't feel a thing. And then when it's over, I'll walk out of the room looking just the way I did before, except that I'll have a neat little connection mounted high on the left side of my head, where it can be tastefully covered with hair when not in use. And I'll probably come back to this apartment 
to find electronic living machine installed in that corner, tastefully decorated to look like an old-fashioned antique bookcase, or a modern bar, or whatever I want it to look like. But whatever it looks like, there will be a comfortable chair unobtrusively attached to the elm, and sooner or later, I'll sit down in that chair and read over the list of life experiences and select one. Then, I'll sink back in the chair and the little connection on my head will fit neatly into another little connection on the chair, because my chair will fit only me, and it will fit me perfectly. And then, while I drift off to L-Land, the chair will unfold around me, so that all sight and sound, and almost all feeling, will disappear, and I'll be like a chrysalis in a cocoon. So, for two or three or eight hours, I'll stay inside the cocoon, living another person's life. And while I'm in there, everyone will be sighing a sigh of relief, that here is another potential producer, who has finally given up the ghost and turned consumer. Then, when the tape is through, the cocoon will open and I'll wake up tired or refreshed or satisfied, or somehow changed, and then I'll get out to the food center and dial a meal or call someone up, or go out and walk around or something. I was really getting wound up, but Long broke in on me. Tell me a little more, he said, about that one idea, will you? You know, the idea about how you'll be giving up being a producer and will become all-consumer. I was just coming to that, I said hotly. Yes, they'll probably enroll my name on the L subscribers roll with a big cheer, and all my non-L friends will hear about it and they'll raise their eyebrows, or maybe they'll sign up too. But the point is this. Is it right for me, a big, strong, healthy human, being with powers of perception and reasoning, and a capability for work and creativeness? Is it right for me to substitute this dream world of L for actual real thinking or doing or creating? Do any of us have the right to subvert our normal impulses for creation and for living in this way? A good question, said Long with a sigh. I'm afraid he's put it in pretty unanswerable terms, all right. Except for one minor point. I couldn't help but agree with everything he said, in spite of the fact that I, well, I'm sold on Al naturally. We sat for a while just sort of gazing around at nothing. Finally, Blick spoke up. What was that one point that you disagreed on, Jack? He asked his partner. I've been running Mr. Gaines' statement over in my head, and I can't seem to find the flaw you mentioned. Oh, it was nothing, said Long impatiently, just a minor point. No, I mean it, said Blick, I'd really like to know. Not worth talking about. Let's pack up and not take any more of Mr. Gaines' time. Come on, Jack, tell me what it was, said Blick, in a rather positive way, I thought. Really, Arnie, said Long, firing up a little. Take it easy, will you? We don't want to have to argue about some little point that doesn't mean anything, 
just forget it. His attitude changed quickly from irritation to downright nastiness. Apparently, as head of the sales team, he wasn't going to take anything from a subordinate. It kind of irritated me in turn, because he gave me the impression that he felt as if he was too good to talk with us about it. Alright, alright, said Blick, the hell with it. So, it was a minor point. Why not tell him, I asked Long, cutting in quickly as Blick made a move to pack up the sim. Long turned toward me with the supercilious look that put me in the same category as assistants who had the temerity to question the boss. Then, in an instant, the mask returned and he was just as polite and smooth as ever. But I'd seen the crack in the slickness before he changed. It really got to me where I live. That's one thing I can't stand. An assault on the ego by a slick bum like that, who thinks he's so good. Oh, I don't see how it can be that small a point, I said. Especially if you thought of it. I said the last part as insultingly as I knew how, and I saw the color rise in his face. Yeah, speak up, said Blick, siding with me. He's got a right to know. All right, said Long, with some asperity that even the professional mask couldn't hide. But I warn you that it's strictly a minor point. So, it's a minor, said Blick. Tell us. The point is, said Long, after a short pause to collect his thoughts, that L fills a need for some people. You see, with the big upsurge in automation years ago, it got harder and harder for a production-oriented economy to survive. Jobs got fewer and easier. People were thrown out of work. During the early years of automation, there was a lot of population displacement because of a lack of jobs, and this made for a lot of economic juggling, which really didn't help matters. It wasn't until some 10 years ago that people finally came to the conclusion that production was outstripping the need for labor and that, in fact, production was beginning to become a burden on the economy. And so they turned things around a bit. Instead of giving rewards and subsidies to the production end of economy, they began giving it to the consuming end. That was really the only way out of the hole. But it was soon found that people are not merely organisms geared to consume. At first, it was grand and glorious. But after a bit, the urge to create, to work, to think began to assert itself strongly. And that's where L came along. L was developed to give unsatisfied people satisfactions that they couldn't get anywhere else. They couldn't be allowed to produce because that was what wrecked things. So they had to be provided with a synthetic production fulfillment. Today, these producer-minded people can get set any sort of satisfaction they need from L, and it keeps them from wandering around, trying to produce something that would just be a hindrance. After all, what we need is consumership, not production. But that's a relatively minor point, as I said earlier. 
Long concluded, looking at me with a superior air. It's such a minor point, it won't even bear discussion. His manner underneath the slick facade implied that he wouldn't deign to discuss it with two peasants like Blick and me under any circumstances. Just a minute, I said. It's not a minor point at all. It seems to me that you've hit the core of the problem. A minor point, insisted Long, his eyes blazing, although his face retained the mask of the smiling salesman. Perhaps I didn't make myself clear, I said. Have you ever stopped to think that, if you take L into the larger picture, it does serve a purpose, and perhaps we are all here for a different reason than I had originally discussed. Maybe the thing to be is a super consumer. Maybe definitive consumership is the most vital thing in our life, not the production of things. Well, that's an idea sure enough, said Blick suddenly. He had been silent during the flare-up between Long and me. But I can't help but think, he continued, that your original argument was a little tighter. The old virtues do have a place, don't they? You see how slick, how well-trained, how cunning they were? When Blick opened his mouth, the bubble burst, and I knew that they had neatly switched me around to where I was arguing against myself. Up until the instant Blick started talking, I was actually selling myself on L, and the truth was that I had almost completed the job by that time. If he had remained silent, I probably would have signed the contract. I think I would have fought to sign it. I felt an emotion of strength and power then. A top L team had given me the works and I had seen through them. They still didn't know that they had lost, but they would. Just as soon as I opened my mouth to speak, the emotion of victory is sweeter than almost anything else, and all the sweeter for having skirted defeat. You know, Arnie, I said, I agree with you. The old virtues are best. I think L is a living hell. It was a sight to see, believe me. Their slick, slick faces folded like paper houses in a hurricane. Blick's hands were shaking as he bent over and started packing up the sim without another word. You have to be good to know that fast that you have lost irrevocably. They got up then and scooped their hats up from the floor and put them on. The gracious, gentlemanly conduct was a thing of the past. Tell me, said Long, his hand on the door, the edge of the L contract peeking untidily out of his expensive briefcase. Where did we make our mistake? I laughed a good loud whoop. It felt good. It was when Arnie here switched sides. Stupid fool said Long, looking as though he wanted to slam the square box containing the sim over Blick's head. Sorry old man, Blick said, coloring a deep red. I'll try to make it up next time. Not with me, you won't, said Long, technician. They opened the door and went out. I jigged with glee as I looked out the window and watched them cross the court. Long was walking along in a high dudgeon, his briefcase swinging angrily with every step. Blick, 
was trotting along to one side and behind him. His shoulders slumped, defeat written all over his form and walk. I looked around as the wall swung open, and Rami walked in with his hand outstretched. Congratulations, he said, beaming widely. It was perfect, my god. It's a delight for a director to work with a real group of competent actors. All three of you were perfect. Thanks, I said. I hope I was as good as you think when we played the tape back. I felt along the base of my skull where the transmitter hung encased in nature flesh and covered with fake hair. I could hardly believe it was there. It felt so natural. Rami looked out the window. Long and Blick were walking back through the gate, talking and waving their arms the way people do when they're excited about doing a good job. There's a pair of sweethearts, said Rami. Real actors, those boys. I checked out the transmission right up to the last minute, and they really gave out. You couldn't find a quiver of disbelief or strain. They felt it. So did I, I said, sitting down and putting my feet up on a low table on the set. Tell me, Rami, what in the hell is Al going to use these tapes for anyway? It seems to me it would be sort of dangerous to put all this on tape. We couldn't tell you before, because it might have spoiled your reactions. But we have a lot of L subscribers who are down deep opposed to L, and this tape will be sort of a catharsis for them. It'll give them a real jolt. Oh, producer types who are struggling to become consumer types, I said. They'll experience the role I just got through playing, and it will make them feel they didn't sign the contract, huh? There's more to it than that, said Rami. There are some people who just like to experience an extremely strong sales-resistant emotion, mostly because they're pushovers. We wouldn't make a tape like this just for the anti-L jerks. It's too expensive. Tell me, I said, what are you using Long and Blick for? I thought I detected transmitters on them, too. Just the opposite from what you were doing. Some people like to experience a setback, or even a complete failure now and then. Sort of an opposite to the high tapes. Lord knows, we got hundreds of high tapes, but not many low ones. So we're starting to build a library of them now. A lot of subscribers are getting tired of winning all the time, and they'd like to experience a defeat or two once in a while, just for the contrast. Long and Blick came in the door without knocking. Rami was on his feet in an instant. Boys, he shouted, you were great. I checked the tapes and nobody could be lower than you guys walking out across that court. It was sensational. Probably the best thing that's ever been done here at L Studios. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast and found it helpful, please leave me a kind review on Apple Podcasts. It improves the show's rankings and helps others find it. You can also help by supporting the podcast via Patreon at KnoxBedtimeStories.com and clicking on the Patreon link or Patreon.com forward slash Stories.
I wish you all a wonderful night's sleep and a happy, peaceful life. Good night.